0: Church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon.
1: That welcome Hebrews chapter 2. If you will turn there, Hebrews uh, 2nd chapter, amen. Praise God. I, a number of years ago, was a firefighter. And uh, uh, the first day, either the first day or the second day of the uh, fire academy, uh, there was a man that was in charge of of firefighter health. This man was a Harvard-educated... Uh, Man, He was in the uh, uh, medical field, and he was hired by the fire department to literally uh, keep firefighters healthy. So as he stood up there teaching this class, he began by simply asking, what is the number one killer of firefighters? And so someone raised their hand and said, "Uh, burning in a fire? He said, no. Someone else said, getting lost in a smoke-filled building and running out of air and suffocating? No. Hit by a car? Nope. Cave-in? Nope. Falling off a bridge? Nope. Lost in a cave? Nope. Drowning? Nope. Finally, we all gave up. And he said, the number one killer of firefighters is heart disease. He says the danger, although it is a danger, every time you run into a burning building, everybody's running out, you're running in. Uh, Every time there's an accident on the freeway or on the road and and you're walking back and forth, it's true, you could get hit by a car in the darkness. But he said the, the deadliest thing that we faced wasn't burning up in a fire, The deadliest thing that we faced was sitting on the lazy boy chair, watching TV, eating Cheetos, (laughs) waiting for that fire. And the danger is you never feel the heart disease coming on. Cheetos, you never think, You, you, you know, when you think of Cheetos, you think of, ooh. You don't think of clogged arteries and cholesterol. And so basically what he's saying is that neglect is the number one killer of firefighters. Let me say neglect is the number one killer of Christians, that many times I've 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 pastored so so I got saved in the mid seventies in this famous hot dog stand that you might have heard about. But I didn't sell out until totally both feet in for Jesus until nineteen eighty. For years I I, I I played games. Finally in nineteen eighty I got serious. So people ask me when you get saved. I said, nineteen eighty. Because nineteen seventy six. I was I was just playing games. Okay. So in those 40 years, I have seen people that came to church with me, served God with me, raised their hands with me, worshiped, went on outreach, guerrilla teams, was in bands and involved in drama, and I have watched some of those people leave the faith. Today, they're no longer saved, no longer serving the Lord. I've seen pastors people that that stood behind a pulpit of their own and preached the gospel that today aren't even serving God. And the danger, it's not like it was a fornication trap. In other words, that yes, I have seen people backslide because of fornication. I've seen people backslide because of hidden sin or rebellion or numerous things. But the majority of the people that I have seen backslide and lose the faith was not because of a sin trap. It was because they neglected their heart. And in time, the faith died away. So I want to preach a sermon that I call Silent But Deadly. And I'm I'm hoping the sermon doesn't stink. And most of all, I hope that you don't leave this place tonight thinking I'm full of hot air. Should have kept you on the cymbal. there have been a great place for a cymbal crash here. Hey, listen, I've been planning this all day, man. It's like, (laughs) I've been waiting to to use this. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 2, starting with verse number 1. Therefore, we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things that were heard lest haply we drift away from them. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, listen to what he says right here. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? let's talk first of all about man's degenerative nature we tend to degenerate by our very nature give you an example when i was young and in school i took german and uh, and and uh you know i i i could communicate you, you know and 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 but the problem is i haven't been in high school For ages and ages, I don't speak German at home, I don't know German people, and as a result of me not speaking German, uh, uh, I can only speak a few words because my ability to speak a foreign language has degenerated because I haven't been practicing. I took algebra a number of years ago. I took a night class. And uh, I I took algebra, and I'll be honest with you, it's probably the hardest class I've ever taken, which, you know, I mean, forget calculus and geometry and all that. I barely, in fact, I know for a fact I failed the class, but the teacher had such compassion on veterans, I'm counting the wrong answers, and I'm like, okay, that's an F. That's enough. And he goes, "Hey, congratulations! You gotta see." And he circled it and he put the test in the. I'm like, "Wait wait, wait a minute, minute. Uh, Dr. Stord. Can I see that again?" Nope. You gotta see. Congratulations. You know. But so I haven't done an algebraic uh, 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 equation in years. So right now, if you stuck a gun to my head and said, "Figure out this algebraic equation," I would say. You might as well kill me because I am not going to be able to figure it out. All I remember is, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, and that is all. Why? So why did I forget algebra? Because I haven't been practicing. Even the most professional elite athletes here just last Sunday we're in a restaurant after church watching the Kansas City Chiefs take the championship in the Super Bowl. We will pray for those San Francisco fans after service for, for healing, from bitterness. and so I' I'm, I'm, I'm not a Chiefs fan, so I don't care. all right and so but think about this. these men are elite paid professional athletes and yet, they are not going to take the year off. Come next football season, they are going to have spring training. They're going to have stretching uh, uh, seminars where they get together. They're going to be doing some things. And so they must stay tuned. They must stay in shape or they will grow lazy and they will grow fat, flabby. Are you still with me? Okay. We tend to g- degenerate. Just by the very nature. This is why when we come to church, think about this. Okay, I've been saved, so on fire, born again, saved to the bone for 40 years. Okay, in those 40 years, I have heard a million sermons on prayer, fasting, outreach, loving people, serving, ministry, uh, 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 world evangelism, giving, tithing, all these things. And then come to church, and then we go to conference, and guess what? Hear sermons on prayer, fasting, world evangelism, giving, tithing, loving people, serving. No doubt you've been in this congregation. If you've been in this church, you've heard Pastor Dragoon on many occasions preach on prayer, fasting, loving people, serving, on and on and on. When you think about it, it's not like you hear these sermons on some subject. That you've never heard before. But so why do you hear them again? Because chances are you've probably neglected it since the last time you heard this sermon. You've, you've gotten lazy or neglectful. We're constantly in need of being reminded. The marriage seminars. I made the statement that your marriage. No matter how long you've been married, your marriage must be maintained. Every week, husband, you do a romantic gesture for your wife. Once a month, minimum, get your wife out of the house, get a babysitter, take her out on a date, minimum once a month, okay? And, and, and why is this? Because your marriage needs constant maintenance. If not, you will grow lazy and your marriage will suffer. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. Here is Paul. Now think about this. The Apostle Paul, he is not a rookie pastor. He is not a newbie. This man is an experienced, seasoned pastor. By the time he writes this letter, he is gray-haired, uh, balding, no doubt. His uh, age is taking its toll on his body. He is seasoned and experienced, and yet listen to what he says. First Corinthians nine twenty-seven. But I keep my body under subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself become a castaway. What does he say? Is I make myself, I keep my body under subjection. That means I make myself do things I don't want to do. There's not a mother or a father that has not set a plate of food in front of your children, maybe, uh, yeah, you know, and somewhere in there is, say, vegetables, and your child says, I don't like vegetables, or I don't want to eat my vegetables, or I don't want to eat it. And what does the parent in love response to the child? I don't give a rat. <laughs> you're going to eat the plate. You're going to sit there, and you're going to clean your plate. If not, it will be your breakfast in the morning. And if you hate broccoli now, it's really going to stop in the morning for you. So you better eat it now while it's fresh and hot. And so I don't care if you don't want to. I don't care if you don't want to clean your room. I don't care if you don't want to go and clean the dog poops in the backyard. We don't have a dog, but if we did, you know, okay. And, and, and uh, so pastor, why don't you have a dog? Because they buy. You're never going to escape this. You you realize this, you know. I was like, okay. You know, my deathbed. I'm going to be laying there, and all my friends are going to be, you know, gathered around my hospital bed. And when my last breath, I'm going to go. His dog bit me. <laughs> so it is our nature to deteriorate, to degenerate, and in time, it is our nature to become carnal. James 1.14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So in other words, the devil doesn't introduce something new, fangled to you. When the devil entices you, when the devil tempts you, what is he doing? He is all, He's simply using what's already in there. Amen. So... Let's talk about the dangerous combination. So here we are, we already tend to degenerate. We have to apply ourselves to do what is right, so you add to that another factor. There are deadly combinations in the world. You've heard it said, never mix alcohol and drugs. So I trust that is not an issue with anybody in this room. Okay. You don't mix uh, bleach and ammonia. You're you're making acid is what you're doing. And if you mix bleach and ammonia, it turns into an acid, into a poisonous gas that if you inhale, it jellifies the inside of your lungs and you will suffocate to death. Okay? Other deadly combination, rednecks and shotguns. There's just something bad about that combination, okay? So we have a deadly factor that we have to face in our life, and that is Americans by nature are busy. We are some of the busiest people in the world. We've got every gadget, every gizmo designed to save time and labor, and yet we have no time. Always busy doing something, job schedule, always rushing here and there. The danger is that you can become so busy with your schedule that you neglect your heart. You neglect what is important. The danger that a Christian faces here, in other words, let me, is that you can be so busy living life that you neglect the spiritual condition of your heart. And here is the danger. I have had two heart attacks and a quadruple bypass. The danger is the whole time my, 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 my arteries were filling with cholesterol, is it was painless. In other words, I'm I'm living life. I have my heart attack, and I think I pulled a muscle. I think I've shared this with you before. I think I pulled a muscle, and I, and and I'm like, you know, I'm like, man, holy cow! And I spent eight hours that day. The whole time I'm thinking, golly, what did I do? And the whole time I'm having a heart attack. The problem is, is that when my wife. Finally convince me to seek help. She says, let's call the fire department, call 911. And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna have my friends come to the house and they're gonna mock me. And 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 I said, No, no, no. I'll drive myself to the fire station and at least let them put me on an EKG. Okay. So here we are. We go to the fire station, they put me on the EKG, and they find nothing. It's normal. I'm not perspiring, I'm not sweating, I'm not dizzy, I'm not, I'm not clammy, I'm not barfing, I'm sitting, but I keep I keep grabbing my chest, and finally they put a blood pressure cuff and they said, What's your normal blood pressure? And I said, 125, 130 over 70. And he says, You're 195 over a hundred. Something's wrong. You're out of character. And with that, they they Basically, I kidnapped me to, and took me to the hospital. The whole time, I'm arguing with them. I am arguing with my fellow firefighters, telling them, I can't possibly be having a heart attack. And I'm telling them, I go to the gym every day. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I eat bran flakes, skim milk, fresh fruit every day. I run 20 miles a week. I'll outrun you right now and the doctor goes no you're having a heart attack that's a heart attack it was and the whole time i i have no symptoms 6 years ago i have a quadruple bypass they they do the angiogram where they go in there you know with that 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 scope and look inside and everything and he's telling me you got four widowmakers we got to operate you're not leaving the building you need emergency surgery and i'm like it can't be. Doc, I just ran two weeks ago. I just ran Mount Masada in Israel in 27 minutes. I can't pause. And he goes, nope. I felt nothing. I, I was running. I'm lifting weights, going to the gym, on and on and on. And the whole time, I'm about to keel over dead. And I don't even know it. Cholesterol. By the way, everybody get your cholesterol checked. Okay, okay, that's a freebie, all right. Well, look at me, I'm a specimen of vision. That means nothing, okay. It's your cholesterol, all right. So the point I'm trying to make, I'm doing everything right, and the whole time my heart is dying. And I felt nothing. Here is the danger of neglect. Don't raise your hand. But how many have ever done something that you're not supposed to be doing. How many have a secret sin or something and, 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 and you're doing something or we're doing something and when you, afterwards the Holy Ghost convicts you? You are like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. Okay, right, and conviction. The danger with neglect is you feel no conviction. Neglect is painless the whole time you know the firefighters are sitting in the station watching I'm trying to think of a movie but I'm probably dating myself watching a movie sitting there on the lazy boy drinking a coke and sitting there waiting for the call they don't realize buddy what are you doing there's no pain The danger with a Christian neglecting himself, it's not like you're living a life of secret sin. It's not like you're over here, you run a porn shop and, and a meth lab over here and over here human trafficking and you're involved in all these things and the Holy Ghost is convicting you. On the contrary, you're living life. You're loving your family, loving your kids, working your job, coming to church, raising your hands. Doing all these things, but the reality is, you're not doing some of the things you're supposed to be doing. The deadly combination is we already tend to lean towards degeneration, we already tend to lean towards carnality, and then you add your busy life schedule to that. Let me give you an example don't raise your hands I don't want to embarrass you but how many have ever heard that still small voice deal with you and say stop 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 what you're doing talk to me talk to me stop what you're doing pray pray put the phone away put the tablet away or whatever it else that you do. put that away talk to me I want to hear your voice. I, I, I have some things I want to speak to you. Talk to me. How many have ever heard that voice deal with you saying, you know, why don't you take today and fast? And we're going, I bind you, Satan. <laughs> now, can I say something? Satan doesn't tell you to fast. Okay, all right. How many have ever heard that still, small voice that says, When's the last time you read your Bible? Because you see, the danger is, is nowhere in the Bible does it say God yells. How many, how many know loud people? you you, you, ever, you know, loud. You, how many? We all know a loud mouth or just loud people. You know what I mean? They don't know. You know, I've told some people, do you know how to whisper? You know, and 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 God doesn't yell. He's not a yeller. He's not gonna go, "Hey, you know what? You need to get your head in gear, and you need to read." He doesn't. He doesn't do that. He says, "Put that down. Take your Bible. Put 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 this way. Go pour yourself a cup of coffee, and and go pray. And and wives, let me throw this out." You especially have uh, 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 you have to be very careful right here because the problem with being a wife is 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 especially you know people they go I'm being a wife is no big deal it's not hard ha I've had my wife my wife was down here she had surgery a couple weeks ago and I'm like dear God I'm I mean just trying to schedule you know you're trying to make a dinner and the kid is running around and and I'm taking care of this and the phone's ringing. And then, you know, where's the four-year-old, you know? And then I'm running, and I come back, and the spaghetti is k- burning, you know? And, and, and so I tell the family, I go, we're eating out. <laughs> it's a surprise. Kids, we're, we're ordering pizza. Yay, Grandpa's the best. Yes, I am. <laughs> and I'll clean the kitchen later. But you ladies, especially... You have to make time in your house where, okay, this kid is off in school. This one is playing in his room. Yes, the house needs to be cleaned. Yes, lunch needs to be made. Yes, the laundry and all the other things that go on. But somewhere you have to go, no, 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 no. This is my prayer time right here. Nothing interferes with this. I'm not answering the phone. In fact, I'm going to turn the phone off because somebody said that it's actually good for the phone. And it's and, and, and yes, like, no, I'm, I'm not going to be uh, 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 interrupted. I'm not going to, you know, because, well, you know, if you're like me, I'm in prayer, and then I think of a dozen things that need to be done. Well, just write it down and do them later. How many of the parables dealt with neglect? The parable of the seed sower. Some of the seed fell on thorny soil. And later, what did Jesus say? That the thorns grew and choked up the seed. And he said uh, 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 later when he clarifies it, he says the thorns are the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of this world. But think about that, the cares, that that you're, you're doing what needs to be done. This is life. And he's going, but this can push the seed Of the word of God out of your heart. The parable of the wedding feast. Incredible invitation. Come, there's a great wedding. I'm inviting you to come. And one of them goes, well, I can't. I just got married. The other one, I just bought some property. The other one, I just bought a team of oxen. I got to check them out. These are not wicked things. And Jesus is making them. These aren't wicked things. It's not like, well, I got to cook meth today, you know, and I can't make it. It's it's work, it's family, it's responsibilities. And in the end, he goes, but they missed an incredible invitation. The parable of the ten virgins. Five of them ran low on oil. And again, they didn't run out of oil because they were cooking meth. I'm on a meth kick here. (laughs) It's not like they were using the oil for some. Things symbol uh, 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 sinful, they they simply living life ran short of oil, and at the critical time they ran out. And when and it, what's interesting about these is that Jesus would say, The kingdom of God is like this. He would say, The kingdom of God is like ten virgins, the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. And what he's saying is, is that this is what we face living for God, not living this life of sin, but simply that you are so busy, you don't realize I have totally been neglecting my walk with God. So let's talk about getting next to Jesus. There are going to be times in your life where Christ will come to you. What do I mean by that? There's the story of Zacchaeus. And so here he is. He's a short little guy, and he jumps up uh, on a sycamore tree because he hears Jesus is coming by. And so here he is, and Jesus stops. Zacchaeus doesn't call out to him. Zacchaeus just wants to, he's heard news. He's heard the press about this guy. He's standing there holding onto the tree, looking, and here Jesus is walking down the road. He stops, and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm eating at your house today. There's going to be times where Jesus will call you. How many have ever had those times where God suddenly just, just speaks to you, starts dealing with you? As a pastor, there's times. I, I I got a sermon the other day, and I literally was driving down the street, down the highway from Prescott in conference. I'm going to preach in Chandler that Wednesday I'm driving down, and God drops a sermon on me. I'm talking about I preached this sermon from my notes that I, draw, I wrote while, while scribbling, while driving down the interstate. That night, people were coming up to me after the service going, oh, my God, oh, my God. I mean, you, you, you know, they're really like, wow, wow. And I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, And there are times that God is going to call your name and he's going to speak things to you. Then there's other times that you'll cry out, blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd is telling him to shut up and and, and he, he just cries out all the more. Jesus, I need a miracle. Jesus, help me. There's going to be times where where you say, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to lay a hold of God. I'm going on a three-day fast because you're crying out to the Lord. But then there's going to be times that you're going to have to push your way through the crowd to get next to Jesus, the woman with the issue of blood. And here she is, this infirmity for 12 years She needs a miracle. Her faith knows if I can get next to Jesus and simply touch his garment, I'll be healed. The problem is she's here, he's over there, and there's a crowd in between. And you're going to have to push your way through the crowd to get next to Jesus. There's going to be times you have to push your way through your schedule it might mean pushing something out of the schedule. Well, you always go to the gym at six pm on Monday and Tuesday. well, I've got revival. The gym can wait till next week. well, you know uh, uh, your family you know your your uncle Tavo is coming to visit uh, you know and and he hasn't seen you and and you well Uncle Tavo, if he wants to spend time with me, he can come to church with me. He can sit next to me. You're, you're, you're going to have to push things out of the way. Somebody once said, and you've probably heard this before if you're too busy to get into the presence of God, you're too busy. There's people that don't come to church on Sunday. Well, hey, overtime, overtime. Pfft, I make. Mean, I make double time on if I work on Sunday. Yeah, and you're backsliding too. Eternity in hell isn't worth double time. It can be family sometimes where it's like, no, listen, my children, and now I've got grandchildren that live with me, but my children can tell you stories. Their childhood basically consists of, of me getting off work, running into the shower, getting cleaned up, put a suit on, and and getting in the car and, and uh, me eating a sandwich on the way to prayer meeting so I can open up the church on time. My children's memories will tell. My kids have been born and raised. They've grown up in church. They learned to stand for the first time. You know, next to a folding chair. They learned to take a couple of steps in church. Uh, As they got a little older, they discovered the opposite sex. You know, when he's 12 years old and suddenly the the girl that's been in the church for years and suddenly he notices her and goes, she's a girl. (laughs) Their memories are are, 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 uh, in church. But even my family, there was times that, uh, well, you know, softball and baseball and football and all these things. I'm like, no, listen, listen. I made arrangements. I used to tell the coach, my son doesn't play baseball games on Wednesday. I don't care how good he pitches. He's not, he's not going to be there. So you better figure this one out. You better switch with another team and, and, and play Thursdays with him or something like that. But, and if we have revival, he's not going to be there. It's like, no, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to allow things to get between me and the Lord. And listen, and again, it's painless. It's painless. Remember, Martha and Mary invite Jesus over for lunch. Martha's running around getting everything ready and stuff. And Mary's sitting there at Jesus' feet listening to him preach. Martha comes out and says, Lord, tell her to get into the kitchen and to help me. Martha. Martha. You're busy running around. You're encumbered about with much serving. He doesn't rebuke her that she's out cooking meth, okay? (laughs) He's like, "You're, you're doing something fine. You're doing good. You're serving. But the problem is you're neglecting your heart. Think about this. The son of God, soon to be the savior, is sitting in her living room, and she's in the kitchen. And the danger is, again, is that neglect is painless. So I want to challenge you this, this evening that somewhere you have to make a schedule like wives, like I said, no, 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 once, uh-uh. No, this is my time in the presence of God. I'm not answering my phone. Or, or it, it might be your schedule. It's like, no, no, you know what? I, I am so... I'm involved in this and this, and I do this, and I volunteer over here and all this stuff. What's the condition of your heart? The author in in the scripture says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Let's bow our heads. As we get ready, dismiss this evening. Is there anybody here tonight that you need to give your heart to Jesus?
0: We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? please visit our website vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.